Welcome to Tech Writer Voices, a podcast for technical writers. I'm your host, Tom Johnson of the Suncoast Chapter of the STC in Tampa, Florida. In this episode, I talk with Mike Hamilton, Vice President of Product Development at Madcap Software. Mike talks about what Flare 2.0 will feature and also shares more about the other products in the Madcap Software suite. So you guys are based in San Diego, right? Good. Yep, the same place we've been since the RoboHelp days. Um, can you tell me maybe, I've got a, a bunch of questions here, and I sent these to you previously, right? Okay. Um, and the first question I had for you is why you decided to start up Madcap Flare? Um, actually, that's a great question. To kind of set that up, uh, it wasn't our decision or my decision as the product manager to uh, end-of-life RoboHelp. So that was kind of the, the, the beginning point. Um, when we drove RoboHelp forward in the eHelp days, you know, we had this long roadmap that was going out into the future, at least three versions. But then during all the acquisitions and buyouts and all of that typical thing, uh, there were a lot of decisions made around RoboHelp that were driven more on the corporate and political side rather than the, the product management side, things like dropping support for the double-byte languages and things of that nature. So when we finished RoboHelp, and Macromedia ended the program, RoboHelp wasn't in a position where we wanted to leave it. So that was the first problem. Uh, the second problem was for those of us who came from the old Blue Sky uh, software slash eHelp days, this community is kind of our community. You know, we've never focused on, you know, other places, other things. And so it wasn't that big of a stretch for us to get back together and come up with the idea of, you know what, this is an important community this is almost a golden opportunity. I mean, it was it was the old uh, cloud with the silver lining. The cloud was, holy smokes, how do we start from scratch? But the silver lining was, oh, hey, we get to start from scratch. Uh, towards the end, the biggest limitations in RoboHelp were, you know, its own legacy code and, and just some of the problems that was in, in, introducing. So it was a great opportunity, scary, uh, but a great opportunity as well to start from scratch with some of the newest technologies available. So there were a lot of reasons we started Madcap, but the main one was we just couldn't leave the huge base of RoboHelp users kind of flailing with a an unfinished tool. Mm-hmm. Now you're you're going to be releasing Flare 2.0, is that right? Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about what it will feature? Oh, we sure can. It's going to be coming out in limited distribution actually next week, the last week in September, we're going to be shipping out to our uh, platinum level customers uh, with wide distribution following probably the first week in October. Um, So it's right around the corner. Uh, As far as some of the things that are going to be in version 2, one of the biggest ones is the uh, FrameMaker support. Uh, We're not just going for a simple uh, myth file import like some of the other tools in the industry and you know, like RoboHelp had, we're really trying to do much tighter uh, integration with FrameMaker for those folks who choose to use that tool. Uh, we're going to have direct support for importing the .fm uh, and book files uh, if FrameMaker and Flare are on the same system. Uh, we're also adding support for some of the FrameMaker uh, specific technologies, things like auto numbering uh, for better compatibility. But then something else I don't think anybody has attempted yet, we're adding the ability to go back out to a .fm format as part of our printed documentation solution. Uh, We've always been able to do the output to Microsoft Word, 
but we're also adding the output to uh, just a .fm format as well as the, the new PDF format in version 2. So FrameMaker's big for version 2. Um, the, probably the second biggest thing in version 2 is expanding the language support, uh, which as I mentioned with RoboHelp, having dropped off the double byte languages has become a big limitation in that area. Uh, but rather than just adding the double byte languages, we wanted to expand beyond that. So version 2 of Flare will be fully double byte enabled, fully Unicode enabled. Uh, so we will be able to support just about any Unicode language out there, uh, with the exception being we still have some work to do on the right to left languages, uh, things like Hebrew. Uh, but that is still on the roadmap. Uh, but it won't be like RoboHelp, where if you want to do, you know, Chinese, you have to buy the Chinese edition of RoboHelp. If you want to do Japanese, you have to buy the. J With Flare, it's just one copy of Flare. And if you need to do, you know, English, German, French, Russian, Chinese, and Japanese, it's still just one copy of Flare. So that's probably the, the second biggest thing is the language support. Um, we're also adding some new tools that will be coming out uh, over the next few months. And so we're pre-building into version 2 the direct integration with our capture screen capture tool that's coming out and our software tutorial and movie tool that's coming out. Uh, so those would actually be grayed out in the interface unless you install those tools. But those hooks are already pre-built into version 2. So that's an important thing for us. Uh, we're also adding support for doing more global changes, uh, a full-on uh, uh, global file listing uh, interface now so you can do uh, for example, style sheet changes on thousands of topics at the same time. So that's something new for version 2. Um, and then one of the coolest things I think we're adding for version 2 is a technology we call EasySync. Um, you got to love the marketing folks. <laughs> uh, what this does is we can import uh, Microsoft Word documents, you know, FrameMaker documents, and we want it to be true to the old RoboHelp workflow, where it's a, basically a one-shot import and then your source file is considered to be the file in the help project, and you would con continue editing it and working on it from there. But we've also heard from a lot of companies that, you know what, if I'm bringing in a FrameMaker file or a Word file, I still want that to be my source file. I want to continue editing externally. So we've added this EasySync capability. So when you import one of those files, if you put a check mark in the EasySync box, then Flare will remember where that source file came from, its location. And every time you go to generate an output, you know, build a help format or a printed manual, it will then go back, re-reference that source file. If there have been any edits or updates, those will be re-imported, incorporated, and then part of the output. Uh, so it's, it's a way to do the uh, Rebel Help style import as a one-shot or a broader, you know, I'm just using Flare as an output uh, transform to get my outputs, but the Word file or the FrameMaker file is my source file. It's really kind of getting two workflows in one tool now. Uh, some smaller things, support for uh, a character library, a symbol library, just to make it easier to add you know, monetary symbols or scientific symbols, things of that nature. Uh, improved support for uh, using font families and font sets, a uh, better color picker, um, and then some improvements on things like our outputs. Uh, we've drastically improved the uh, speed of web help searches, web help indexes, uh, especially in merged projects, things of that nature. So a lot has gone into the version 2 that's coming out. I know you have four products in your Madcap suite, Blaze, mm -hmm. Mimic, um, Flare, of course, and what was the other one? Uh, 
Right now, Flare is first. Yeah. Capture is going to be coming out shortly thereafter. Uh, later in the year will be Mimic for doing the tutorials and movies. And then early next year will be Blaze. Can you talk a little bit about how these four products integrate and work together? Sure. Uh, we have Flare, of course, which is the kind of the flagship, the, the help authoring suite. Uh, the next one to come out will be Capture. That's going to be our screen capture tool. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are thinking, you know, what, what does the industry need a new screen capture tool for? Well, the thing that we're looking at is there are a lot of capture tools that focus exclusively on the image itself. What we're trying to focus on is more of the underlying workflow. Uh, where we expect that you'll take a screenshot early on in the documentation process, then the developers may change two or three things in the interface, which means you're going to have to retake that screenshot at some point. So what we're trying to do with our capture tool is minimize the amount of work it is to take that second capture. Some ways we're trying to resolve that is when you annotate one of our captures with text callouts, arrows, highlights, you know, text bubbles, we're using a layering technology, so you're not actually putting those on the source screen capture itself. Uh, what that facilitates is in the future, you can go retake that screen capture, and it just swaps out the bitmap image that was captured underneath the text bubbles, the callouts, the highlights. So you don't have to re-manipulate any of that data. The other thing we're doing is storing additional metadata when we take the original capture, so we know what size the original application was sized at, you know, what region over the application, uh, the idea of making it easier to align the new capture with any manipulations you've done on top of it. Uh, and it's directly integrated. It, it can be used as a standalone tool, but if you have Flare and Capture on the same system, then it's going to be called directly from inside the Flare interface. Uh, you can call up its editor, call up a new screen capture, so some tight integration there as well. Now, the way Mimic integrates it will be coming out more towards the Christmas time frame or end of the year time frame. It will share the library elements you may have created in the capture tool. Uh, we thought this was important for consistency. So if you have a certain style of arrow or highlight or you know dialog box you're using in your captures, those exact elements will show up in the uh, mimic uh, interface as well. So you have a way of having a consistent look and feel between your still captures and your animated captures, and it's going to have the same tight integration with the Flare interface as well. Now, the one that's a little bit different is the, the Blaze product coming out next year. Uh, now, what Blaze is, you can think of it as Flare's little brother. It's going to be the same interface. It's going to have the same capabilities, but it's really targeted for those folks that have no need to do online formats. Uh, they aren't doing online help. They aren't doing browser-based stuff. They just need to do paper, you know, manuals, maybe some PDF, and that's as far as they go electronically. So you can almost think of it as, as a great tool for somebody who's outgrown the capabilities of Microsoft Word. Uh, they need some single sourcing. Uh, they need better list and number handling. But they are nowhere near needing the complexity, expense, or learning curve of something like FrameMaker. So there, and that's kind of our vision for that. There seems to be this huge void where Microsoft Word leaves off, and then way up in the stratosphere, FrameMaker picks up. We're really trying to solve that void in between the two. So hopefully that answers the question. Yeah. <clears throat> what about DITA? It's a big buzzword now, and a lot of people are looking to implement it. What can, will Flare ever support DITA? Oh, 
absolutely. Uh, in fact, our original roadmap was to include at least one additional schema with every release. Uh, the original roadmap was for version 1 to support the W3C XHTML schema. For version 2, we were going to support the XHTML schema and the new Microsoft AML schema for Vista help. Uh, but late in the game, Microsoft has kind of pulled that technology back for their own use. They haven't announced when it will be publicly available. So for version 2, we still will be using the XHTML schema since AML wasn't available. But then for version 3, the roadmap has us importing the DITA and DocBook schema. Uh, now, looking way out on the horizon, this is not tied hard to any specific release, but I would tentatively say somewhere around the version 5 time frame, we are looking at supporting arbitrary schema. So if you want to write your own schema for your own internal use, Flare will be able to support that. The reason it's that far out into the future of the roadmap, though, is there's a lot of difficulty for the author in doing that. We want to make sure we don't release that before the market is ready for it. Um, as long as we're using a publicly published canned schema, then we can provide all of the output transforms for doing the browser-based help, the Microsoft help, uh, going to printed manuals through an XLFO uh, transform. The problem is that once we start allowing people to use arbitrary schema that they write themselves, then it's going to be on them to write their own output transforms, which is not a trivial process. Uh, now, we will be providing documentation. You know, if you want to output to web help, here's all the, the JavaScript routines that we use, all the function calls that we make, and we'll give you documentation to assist, but it would mean you need somebody technical on your team to actually write those output transforms. So we do have a, a full uh, roadmap plan for additional schema support. Uh, the, the ones that are pretty much planned out, again, are the DITA and the DocBook. When we support arbitrary schema, tentatively it's pegged to the version 5 timeframe, but that could shift just on market needs. Can you compare Flare with AuthorIt? Sure. Uh, they're actually both good tools. Uh, the biggest difference is how somebody wants to author content. Uh, we just take a slightly philosophical different approach. With Flare, we take more of a traditional uh, visual editor author mode, uh, like you're working in, say, Microsoft Word or RoboHelp or some other visual style editor. And with AuthorIt, it's much more of a uh, Lego block. You know, you create these little pieces, then you kind of have to shuffle the deck and put them all together at the end. Uh, but where the philosophical difference comes in is we do support a reusable content library, something we call snippets. Uh, but our assumption is that for most people, 80% of their content will be common even if they're single sourcing. But it's that 20%, that critical difference information, that you need to be able to annotate, mark, use conditionals, use snippets, things of that nature. The author model assumes that everything is reusable content. So you actually have to go through a little bit more work up front, you know, compartmentalizing and, and, and chunking all these little data pieces. In the end of the day, they'll both get you to the same place. If you tend to think more object-oriented, more like a programmer, then author it could be a good solution. If you tend to think more like a, a traditional technical writer, author, using a visual editor, then Flare could be a better solution. But we're, we're far enough in the game that uh, I kind of compare it to uh, automobiles. You know, I get a lot of questions, you know, is this tool or that tool, or is this tool better? You know what, they're all going to get you from point A to point B. The thing is, go test drive them all, see which one you're comfortable in. 
You mentioned snippets and variables. Can you talk about some of the features that Flare has that RoboHelp doesn't have? Oh, sure. Um, I think before I jump into features, I think, uh, architecturally, there's some, some differences between what we did in the old days with RoboHelp versus what we're doing in Flare today. Um, and please don't take my comments in any way to be you know, disrespectful to RoboHelp. I put a lot of my heart and soul into that product, a good chunk of my career. But a lot of the things that were in RoboHelp were designed in back in the day before groups like the World Wide Web Consortium even existed. So there weren't standards to follow and you know, standards bodies to, to be in compliance with. So it was kind of the wild woolly west when we started, especially with the HTML side of RoboHelp. And those were some of the things that became limitations later on, some of the, the proprietary markup that was not quite standard HTML and things of that nature. So from an architectural point of view, one of the biggest things we've tried to do with Flare is now that we are in a standards-based world, we want everything to be standards compliant. Uh, no proprietary file formats of any kind. I mean, RoboHelp sat on top of this big uh, uh, database, big access database, which rendered it incompatible with a lot of source control systems and things. So architecturally, a Flare project is nothing but UTF-8 uh, text file, XML files. All of the project files are just text files, so we're compatible with any source control that's out there, anything like that. So that was a fundamental architectural difference. On the feature side, though, um, our list handling is far superior to RoboHelp. Uh, we can do uh, continuation lists. We can do forced start list numbering, uh, forced uh, individual bullet numbering. So if one particular bullet needs to be a different number or a different letter, uh, we can do list sorting, uh, list merging, things that RoboHelp couldn't even dream of doing. Uh, same thing with our table handling. Uh, we support full drag and drop on tables, you know, moving rows, moving columns, copy a row, uh, copy a column, copy multiple columns, uh, where RoboHelp could only copy and paste a single cell at a time. Uh, we also support uh, conditionals on tables, uh, so you can actually remove rows, remove columns if you need to for single sourcing purposes. Uh, in fact, in the whole world of single sourcing, we've gone well beyond where RoboHelp left off. Uh, we kind of put our toe in the water with single sourcing and RoboHelp with the uh, uh, conditional uh, text capabilities. Flare, we also allow conditionals to be on uh, individual table of contents, books, and pages, making it easier uh, to do single sourcing. We also support multiple tables of contents and modular tables of contents in Flare. Uh, and this is just came from watching people use RoboHelp. They may be publishing, you know, eight different outputs for eight different audiences, but in RoboHelp they always had to kind of find a way to force fit one table of contents to every deliverable or go through some really contorted ways of modifying it. So we decided that was silly in Flare. We just support multiple tables of contents. Uh, and that could be for, you know, pro version, light version, or even for things like, I want an English table of contents, and I want a French table of contents, and then being able to, to publish at will, either or both. Um, other things we've added on the single sourcing front, uh, variables, which RoboHelp lacked, uh, the ability to plug in data that you may not even know uh, today, things like version numbers, feature names that may change. Uh, also, reusable content library we call snippets. Uh, so let's say there is a, a warning or something like that that has to be consistent through 100 pages. You can write it as a snippet once and then reference it from all 100 pages. 
if you ever need to make an edit, you just edit the source snippet file, and that would automatically repopulate all 100 pages. You don't have to do that copy and paste and, and multi-file find like you did in RoboHelp. Um, also, something very different than RoboHelp is our tighter integration with Microsoft Word and uh, FrameMaker. I mentioned FrameMaker earlier, but one of the ways we're able to do things with Word, like uh, include hyperlinks when we output to print, uh, do proper page number cross-references when we output to print, is we've gotten away from the, the RoboHelp model of integrating with Word, which was using the older uh, Visual Basic scripting and RTF communication, uh, the rich text format. Uh, basically, RoboHelp would contact Word using a, a VB script, would ask it for a document, but in RTF format, Word would save it as RTF, send it to RoboHelp, and we'd import that. The problem is Word has grown beyond the capabilities of RTF to do the documentation side. There's just so much more in Microsoft Word these days. And so with Flare, we've ditched RTF, and we're actually using the new Microsoft XML schema for Office communication. So we can actually communicate through micro, to Microsoft Word using a direct uh, XML data transfer. And that gives us a lot more fidelity on the import side and on the export side as well. Uh, beyond that, a whole bunch of things. Uh, Flare is fully Unicode for the language support. Uh, we support indexing to the character level where RoboHelp was at the topic level. Uh, that just means that when you single source with RoboHelp, you have a good chance of ending up with uh, what I call orphan index terms. You know, index term that links to a page, but the content it should be leaking to has actually been removed by the author for single sourcing purposes. So we've moved to indexing at the, at the character level. So if you remove a paragraph, the index term automatically gets removed. Uh, a multi-document interface, so you can actually have two topics up at the same time, side by side, compare, contrast. Uh, better CSS support, CSS on tables, um, a command line interface, uh, so you can actually generate help from a, a batch file or a script. Uh, these are all things that we would have loved to have done in the Rebel Help days, but just never had an opportunity to do, or the technology to do it. A lot of times it was that, that legacy Rebel Help code that held us back. And in Flare, we've been able to implement you know all of these things that have been customer requests. How how uh, can you keep up this rigorous pace of innovation? It seems like you guys have produced software in record time. How, how can uh, people who are going to invest in Flare feel confident that it's a mature software product? Um, I think the good news is that technically we are a new company, but realistically we're the same crew that's been building RoboHelp for years and years and years. So we're kind of an odd bird in the in the software business. Um, it's a new name on familiar faces. Uh, now, one of the things that kind of throws people is they look at the fact that version 1 came out less than a year after uh, you know Ro uh, uh, Macromedia shut down the RoboHelp program. And they're thinking, my golly, how did you guys do that in a year? Well, we actually had a little bit of a head start. Uh, and Neil, I don't want to bore you with the whole history, but there were actually two of the RoboHelp team layoffs in the Macromedia days. And Bjorn Bachland, who is an absolute genius coder, uh, he's our CTO now at Madcap Software, he actually wrote uh, RoboHelp for FrameMaker, and he was one of the key architects for the, uh, and the, the actual author of the editor that is currently in RoboHelp. Well, he actually got laid off six months earlier than the final layoff, and he had started working on an XML editor once he had left the company. Uh, now, I wasn't aware of this until uh, the final layoff, 
and we kind of had a final soiree get together you know go cry on each other's shoulder kind of thing and i heard through the grapevine it's like oh yeah you got to go talk to bjorn he's got something he's working on so i contacted bjorn and found out that he was already you know six months into development on a visual xml editor and so we started talking it's like you know could we turn this into the next uh, help authoring tool and so it really was about 18 months in development but about a year of that was under the madcap banner so we did have a bit of a head start. It, it wasn't quite the quick turnaround people ex people thought it was or how it may have looked from the outside. Um, as far as keeping the pace up, we do have an aggressive schedule for the first three to four releases. Uh, but that's only because there's so much uh, that we'd like to overcome. I mean, the last version of RoboHelp was three years ago. I mean, that's a huge amount of time in the software world. So we're trying to kind of compensate for all the things we would have been doing in all those RoboHelp releases over that time. Uh, but once we get to version 5 or so, uh, maybe version 4, you will see the things, the, 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 the turn cycle slowing down quite a bit to more of maybe a, a 12 to 14 month cycle to put us more in line with our even our customers' uh, release cycles. Uh, but we all are, are also growing the team much more rapidly than we expected. And that's one of the ways we're able to bring out the newer products, the Capture and the Mimic. Um, we're actually about double the size right now of what our original business plan called for. Um, our original business plan had us at about 12 to 14 employees at this point. Uh, we're well over 20 right now, and half of that is development staff. Uh, so we, it, it's kind of a combination. We, there's just a lot we want to get done and we're adding team members to do even more than what we had originally planned. So it's it's, it's one of those things where you know you write your original business plan, you have all these great ideas and all these great plans, and what they don't tell, don't tell you in business school is after two weeks, you kind of tear that up, throw it away, because it's the customers that drive where you're going to go after that. Um, so we've been blessed in that uh, sales have exceeded our expectations. That has allowed us to add staff faster than we expected, uh, and it's actually uh, the company is profitable now already which I, I know a lot of new startups would love to be able to say that so it's it's kind of just catching its own momentum now and that's kind of propelling us forward uh, but we do realize that we can't keep this up forever so probably version 3 to version 4 you'll see us slow down a little bit to more of a, a standard uh, uh, delivery time but kind of a long answer hopefully that didn't go too, too far afield no that was perfect well, why do you think Adobe suddenly announced that they would continue to support RoboHelp? That is a good question. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to answer what their motivations might be. You'd have to ask Adobe. Uh, my my scratching my head part is that, you know, being part of Macromedia, which was a half billion dollar company, I couldn't get them interested in RoboHelp because it just was too small of a market for them to even care about. So I really have to scratch my head when it's, you know, what's Adobe, a $3 billion company, $2.5 billion company? I'm not sure who made the business case for it. Uh, but my fear is that I think they have great intentions. Uh, I'm never going to question their intentions. Uh, I happen to know some of the people uh, inside from the old FrameMaker days that are working on it. But my fear is that it's the RoboHelp code base has reached a point where if you poke it in one place, ten sharp spines pop out in other places. So I'm not sure what they if they realize even what they've gotten themselves into. So my fear is it's going to take more developers than they expect. It's going to take much more time than they expect. And then once they finally get something out, 
it's been over three years. A lot of those customers have already moved to other places, so I think it's going to make less revenue than they expect. So my fear is that there may be one more copy of RoboHelp that comes out, but then they're going to pull a Macromedia all over again and kind of wash their hands of it. Now, I hope that's not the case, because I think the RoboHelp customer base has kind of been yanked around enough but that's one of the reasons we're doing that we're, what we're doing. I mean, this is our core industry. It's what we focus on. So if Adobe makes a run with RoboHelp, well, good for them. There's more than enough room for both of us. If for some reason, you know, they may change their mind and, and go another direction, well, we're here to support people. And uh, we have initiated some conversations with Adobe themselves to let them know that if they ever, you know, felt the need to change directions, we'd be more than happy to partner with them just to make sure that the customers were taken care of. Someone asked me to ask you about content management systems in Flare. Can can you integrate at all with any kind of content management system using Flare? Can we integrate with content management? In an automated fashion, no. We don't have any uh, user interface to automate that process. Uh, manually, can we? Absolutely. That's one of the reasons that we've architected Flare to live entirely on uh, XML files. They're just text files. They're compatible with source control. They're compatible with content management systems, um, albeit at this time it is a manual process. Um, on our roadmap, do we have intentions to integrate with content management? Uh, not pegged to a specific version, but we, we are investigating the concept. Uh, one of the key problems there is there is no standard interface for connecting the content management systems. Uh, so if we wanted to integrate with, uh, say, a Documentum or something like that, it would have to be a one-of-a-kind interface that we would hand build. So it makes it a little bit tricky. You can't just come out today and say, oh, yep, we're going to integrate with content management systems. Uh, you pretty much have to pick, like, the top three or the top five and then code specific connections into those. And then the trick there is picking the three or the five that make the most people happy. Um, so is it something that we are open to? Yes. Is it something that we're researching? Yes. Do we have a time frame for it? At this point, no. A lot of it depends on what we find with our research, uh, you know, how much development it would cost, uh, things of that nature. Uh, so it's not something we have closed the door on, but not something we're publishing a time frame on. A lot of people are looking for the perfect tool to do single sourcing. <laughs> and you you touched on a few points earlier, but could you just explain why you feel a Flare or or uh, another product would be the ultimate choice? Uh, another product in the Madcap suite would be the ultimate choice to to do single sourcing. That's a tough one. It's a good question, but it's a tough one, and I'll tell you why. Is because I don't think there's one consistent definition of single sourcing. Um, I'll tell you what our approach is, and we think it's the majority, and that is we want to provide a single sourcing environment using an XML workflow that is standards compliant so that people could integrate Flare into any other tool set they may already be using. Um, that's one of the things I find is difficult with some of the other tools uh, that we've mentioned throughout the interview. Um, is they tend to work on proprietary file formats, and then they require transforms or conversions uh, to get to an XML world. Um, not to throw too many rocks, but like FrameMaker, it doesn't work natively on XML files. I mean, some of the newer structured frame does, but by the vast majority of folks out there using FrameMaker, they're saving as a .fm format. 
So to get to an XML format, it does require some conversions, and a lot of tools are like that. I mean, RoboHelp is like that. Uh, you can get some XML out of RoboHelp and into RoboHelp, but it does have to go through a conversion and uh, pr a process. And anytime you're translating or converting, you're never going to keep everything. So that's one of the sticky bits. With Flare, we're trying to overcome that by working natively on XML files. Uh, now, for most folks, uh, they'll be happiest once we get to a data and a docbook world. Uh, right now, with version 1 and version 2, it was really to give RoboHelp users a comfortable place to migrate to. But with each new version of Flare, you're going to see us kind of weaning people off the old RoboHelp bad habits and pushing them towards a more standards-compliant world, uh, more use of cascading style sheets, uh, better use of a structured workflow, uh, better use of uh, templates and you know forced constructions. You know, if you have a heading one, it must have these following elements beyond it. Things we're just trying to be careful on how how quickly we push people in that direction. Um, but as far as the ultimate single sourcing tool, uh, that's the goal for say Flare version four, maybe version five. Uh, I think that would fit most people's definition. Um, I think we need a lot of people's definition today. Um, but a lot of folks are trying to do things with you know, custom DTDs, custom schema, and things of that nature, which at least today there is no tool that does that. It requires several tools strung together. You know, you're going to have to have programmers and developers to help out. Our goal is to get people there within a few years. If someone wants to try out Flare 2.0, when will they be able to download a trial copy and play around with it? Uh, the, the Flare 2.0 trial will be downloadable the first week in October. It might be sooner, but publicly I'll commit to the first week in October. All right. Hey, is there any question that I didn't ask you that you would like to answer? Um, do, do, do. Uh, I think there were just a couple of things I want to throw out there is there have been a lot of questions I've received about uh, support options. You know, how can a small company do support? Uh, and one of the things, we've done everything that was available in the old RoboHelp days. Uh, there's official Flare training that's available. Uh, we have a lot of the old certified RoboHelp instructors are now certified Flare instructors. Uh, we have an online forum. Uh, at last count, we were approaching 900 participants in the forum, so it's just growing beyond anything we expected. Uh, online knowledge base, uh, full tech support staff here in San Diego. And that's another nice thing is it's in San Diego. So if you call tech support, if they can't answer your question, it's just a short skip across the hall, and they can actually ask the developers. You know, you're not talking to tech support, you know, in some foreign land somewhere or some distant state in the U.S. Now, if they have questions, they can go right across and ask the developers. So I think that's the other thing that's important is not only are we developing software, but we're making sure we have the infrastructure to support those people who buy that software as well. Uh, that's just one of the other things they get asked about a lot. All right, Mike. Well. I appreciate you talking to me. That You gave some excellent information. Oh, it was my pleasure. I hope it's helpful to uh, your audience. Uh, again, happy to uh, help out. You are listening to Tech Writer Voices, a podcast sponsored by the Suncoast Chapter. I encourage you to check out madcapsoftware.com. You can download trial versions of Flare 2.0 the first week of October. And if you have questions about Flare you can click their support link and ask them. Music for this podcast was provided by the Podsafe Music Network and their specifics in the show notes. Thanks for listening.